New week with a new episode. This is Unquote, and I'm Cooper Powers. Welcome back, y'all. Bones, cheddar, moolah, stacks. As a friend of mine always said, money makes the world go round, and brother, I'm just trying to keep it spinning. This week is number 57 on AFI's top 100 movie quotes list, Wall Street. Oliver Stone's 1987 film highlighted the unaccountable and shadier side of Wall Street and the power-striped swindlers that made their fortunes. Bud Fox, played by Charlie Sheen, is a young and hungry stockbroker in New York who lands a big account with one Gordon Gecko, played by Michael Douglas. Our line comes in a speech delivered by the financier Gecko to the investors of Teldar Paper. In the art of sales, Gecko is a master, fostering a contempt within the investors that not only should they judge the higher-ups of the company, but they should lean on supporting Gecko as their benefactor. Addressing the anxious crowd, Gecko assuages the crowd's fears in a most unusual manner by stating, That greed, for lack of a better word, is good. The connotation of the word greed would have us believe one thing, but Gordon Gecko portrays it in a more progressive light. Patrick Alexander is my guest today, and he's an associate for a financial planning institution. Besides improving my very elementary understanding of finance, we talked about the almighty dollar and how there are two sides to every coin. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we have a true money master on the podcast today, Mr. Patrick Alexander. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good today, Cooper. Good. Patrick and I met at an impromptu uh, soiree, if, if it can be called that. That's a respectful way to put it. Yeah, more or less. One of our friends was rotating side to side. He was already pretty three sheets to the wind when we, when we decided to hang out. But that's beside the point. Patrick uh, is a member of a, of a financial institution. He works for an investment firm, right? Yeah. Terrific. And with that in mind, we met at this party. We started talking. We hit it off fairly well. I said, man, Patrick's a pretty cool guy. I'm sure he thought, wow, Cooper's, he's awesome. Uh, I really wish he was in some form of broadcasting. And I said, well, hey, you know, I have a, a podcast that I do. And uh, I gave you my card. And you reached out to me, I guess it was about two weeks ago. Yeah. He said, hey man, I want to talk about Wall Street starring Michael Douglas and Charlie Sheen and Martin Sheen. I said, fantastic, let's do it. So, here we are. And you, what what initially drew you to this movie? Had you always been a fan of this movie or did this stick out and this is something you wanted to talk to me about? Well, I actually only saw it last year. Okay. It was one of those movies that I had never seen before that was, I made an effort to, I was like, I have to see this movie. The first time I saw it was just last week when I watched it. Yeah. So. And just, I don't know, meeting you, Cooper, I was like, I gotta, this guy's this, or this movie podcast, and I just want to check it out. Yeah, for I sure. listened to a couple episodes and was like, I love talking about movies. Let's talk about movies. And then I went through the list of 100, found Wall Street, and it was all cast seemed like a nat- Seemed like a natural fit. Oh, yeah. What, if you can, if you're, you're able to tell, let me, let me just preface everything with this. Okay. I still put money under my mattress. I know next to nothing about finance long-term investments, any type of terminology you might throw at me, it's all going to go over my head. So you're going to have to do a little hand-holding with me here. I hope that's all right. Okay. But I'll catch on quick. So not unlike Bud Fox in the movie. He's, yeah, there you go. So what what exactly do you do for your investment firm? Uh, just research analysis, you know, people's 401ks, um, you know, client meetings, case preparation, just going through, you know, a stack of people's financial statements and dissecting it into a one-sheet page where we can say, this is what you have. And this is the way we would invest it. Okay. And then we take clients through that process, then investing their money, 
um, you know, researching ETFs, mutual fund stocks, everything from Social Security to your grandmother's inheritance. Right. We'll look at it and tell you if you're doing right, if you're doing wrong, and how we can help you make it better. Okay. I understood grandma and Social Security. So... <laughs> it's I not think, your number. It's right. It's not right. So, and I think, I think I'm on the right track. Just kind of starting off, where, where did you think of the movie? Did you, did you like this movie? This, yeah, this is the first time that you'd actually watched it. You know, what, what, did, you, what did you think about the movie? It's definitely an instant classic. Um, I mean, big stars like Charlie Sheen, Michael mm-hmm. Douglas, um, even Daryl Hannah, the lovely Daryl Hannah. Yeah. They come, star-packed power. It's a good story, too, sort of about, you know, greed and redemption and just the struggle of making it in the world. It's something about learning to climb and taking those risks to get bigger and better and in the end, realizing that the only way to actually better yourself is through humanity and being human. So, as someone who's familiar with the operations of finance, does any of what occur? Or I know things are different now. It's you know, twenty year time gap, over twenty year time gap. Um, but does any of what occurs in the movie and during that time period sort of carry over to real life from what you've seen? A lot of it does, but a lot of it's been put in check in the last 20 years, right. like you said. This was during an era where insider trading was huge, you know. It was a huge problem, and there was really no controls on it. It was a time when guys would just fake sell money. They'd buy and sell fake money, and it wasn't there was nothing at stake for a broker, like Bud Fox in the movie. And then Michael Douglas behind the scenes just sort of running this big power struggle where he's getting inside info, trading on it. It was a lot less regulated back then than it is today. After the internet bubble in uh, 2000, after the market crash in 2008, even some of these other recessions since, they put in heavy regulations to make sure people can't do that. People actually have to be fiduciaries and take care of people's money. They have to have a responsibility to not just take the money and run, so to speak. Right. So they're a lot more beholden to the people that they're talking to on the other end of the line. And it's sort of... You know, it's representative of that Wild West era of investing where there weren't a lot of rules. And that's one of the things this director, Oliver Stone, is you know, known for. Going with movies like Platoon and World Trade Center, amongst others, he likes to tackle in-the-moment, big-time topics that people maybe aren't ready to talk about. But if you show some light on it, people are going to open up that discussion. Yeah. And that's why I thought this was an interesting take for him. Because the 80s, Wall Street era, things were blowing up bond market was blowing up and it was just this big phenomenon but what's really going on behind the scenes just basically just playing with air for the most part trying to get as much as you can and get the hell out you, you've already you've already thrown some ten dollar investment bond words at me um, and I'm, I'm, I'm coping with that but you have to understand you're dealing with a simpleton here when it comes to financing how accurate is all the financial terminology in the movie where I'm sure you were able to keep up with it but like would anybody with a base knowledge of it be able to kind of identify what was going on? I think so. Okay, If, good. you know, the listeners have a base knowledge of finance, it's easier than, per se, the big short uh-huh. of earlier this year. That movie was complex with things like credit default swaps and collateralized mortgage obligations, things that, you know, I had to read the book twice <laughs> to fully understand, and then I see the movie, and I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. Yeah. You know, so this one's very simple. It's like, oh, trading, you know, we got to get the insight. It's just very basic stuff that anyone with a familiarity of finance should be able to get. Mm-hmm. Just also based on the fact that it was made 20 years ago and just the development in people and you know our access to information these days makes it easier for us to understand these things because we've been exposed to them for longer. Right. You make smarter decisions too. Exactly. That's why people call you to give them a one-page fact sheet. That <laughs> sounds like a service that needs to be rendered for me. That actually sounds pretty <laughs> awesome. I might have to look into that. Absolutely. Right, get, get, a, get a wrangle on my uh, finances. But uh, So you mentioned the, the human aspect of the movie and you know the the redemption aspect 
my my thoughts on the movie were I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the tour de force, Michael Douglas. I mean, he was a go getter. He portrayed it perfectly. You know, he had the pin, he had the uh, the uh, pinstripe power shirt, the power tie, the slick back hair. It was very classic and everything. But I think the only really big turnoff for me, which which kept me from enjoying the movie more, was the fact that it was so laden with kind of technical terms and. And like I will say again throughout this episode that I am the basest of the base when it comes to, you know, all that type of knowledge and stuff like that. Um, and that was the only really big turnoff for me. I do I do think it was good. It was a a, a really good father son father son story as well. Literally. Yeah, exactly. I I thought that was really cool how they were playing off one another, and it was uh, it shone through in the acting. It was very very good. Like when they're in the elevator, and he says, you know, just because I made something myself, you know, I, I reached out and took advantage of it and like Martin Sheen just like shoots him this look and he's just like boy you better watch it you know you just don't get it yeah and the casting decisions in this movie were kind of funny because I think you know reading up on the history of the movie and how it was made pretty much all the actors hated each other yeah and it was actually up to Charlie Sheen whether to cast I think Jack Lemon or his dad and he obviously chose his dad he's like why not but apparently Michael Douglas, who is amazing in this movie, in Wall Street... They told him not to cast him or something. They didn't want to cast him, but it ended up being the perfect role just because, you know, he's more of a producer than an actor, but he understood how to be stoic and how to sort of be brash and brazen uh-huh. in a way a lot, of, a lot of other actors they wanted for the part actually wouldn't have done it. Um, was um, anything, you know, either um, acting-wise or any maybe anachronisms you might have seen, was anything kind of out of place or ahead of its time in this movie? I think oh. one of the big things that was ahead of its time comes in the Gecko speech, the Greed is Good speech. He talks about how these shareholders, or how the, the vice presidents of the company, Teldar Communications or Teldar whatever it is, is supposed to be looking out for its shareholders, but it's really not. They're paying huge salaries to all these vice presidents who aren't really earning their money's worth. And instead of, and these vice presidents who work for this company aren't investing in their own company. Mm-hmm. Their money's elsewhere, so they have nothing to lose if the company goes up, down, sideways, they've got no skin in the game. And so I thought that was a point that, that was something that wasn't really big until the late 90s, early 2000s, where people started to make sure you have to have skin in the game if you're investing. Right. Because otherwise, what are you really doing? You've got, like, you've got nothing to lose. And what really put, what really put the money aspect of it in perspective for me was hearing Martin Sheen talk about, man, I I barely cleared $50,000 last year. I was just like, Look, if that made you like upper middle, upper class back then, because he worked for an airline, you know. But uh, yeah, fifty thousand dollars was apparently hot back in the uh, back in the mid '80s. You wouldn't think to know it now, but it's crazy. And then he asks, you know, you think about the money that Charlie Sheen's making in the city, and then he asks, you know, well, where's it all go? And then he like lists off all of his all of his you know bills and debts and everything, and makes me feel pretty good pinching my pennies. So. <laughs> Patrick and I both agree that this film paved the way for future economic films of the latter 20th and early 21st century. But, uh, but what else about the movie did you like? I sort of liked how it sort of set into, a, into motion a trend of similar films about Wall Street. Mm-hmm. You know, movies like Rogue Trader, Secret to My Success, The Hudsucker Proxy, and to a later extent, movies, you know, in the 2000s, things like Glengarry Glen Ross and American Psycho to a bit. It was very influential as to how this subject was talked about and just representing these people that were sort of behind the curtain for mm-hmm. a really long time. This was, you know, Wall Street was just sort of, oh, that's where you invest and now they're showing 
these are the kind of people that are actually in this business. It's a lot of egomaniacs. It's a lot of people with slick, deck, slick back hair and nice suits, but they're not necessarily morally straight. Yeah. And I thought it was really influential because a lot of movies sort of play on the same similar rah-rah attitude of Michael Douglas's character, Gordon Gecko, um, and getting at that. Have you ever met a real-life Gordon Gecko? I've met some people who want to be Gordon Gecko, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but I've never met the real-life movers and shakers like that. Yeah, I, I think I've met maybe just one or two people who were unscrupulous enough to really go for the gold and get, yeah. get behind a character like that. I don't think they had. I don't think they had the charm or the um, just the wherewithal to really follow through on that. But you've missed. You've met people who wanted to be Gordon Gecko. They think they're Gordon. Or they Gecko. think they think they're Gordon Gecko. Not oh, Gordon wow. Gecko. I bet they're fun at parties. Um, <laughs> what you mentioned the greed is good speech. What perspective do you have on that? I just as a quick aside. I feel like I feel like it was the wolf in sheep's clothing. Trying to appeal to you know the everyman, trying to appeal to the actual investors in the company. Like greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed builds things. Greed is progress. You know, and that's he he said it well meaning. But like I said, you know, he might have just been trying to pull the pull the blanket over some people's eyes, because he we, we all know that he was just in it for profit anyway. So what do you, what what's your perspective on that? Well, the thing about greed, not talking in this movie, is that. Greed inevitably causes irrational exuberance that goes on to create asset bubbles, which is blinding investors to the warning signs of an impending collapse or recession. Then again, greed drives people to create th more things, both good and bad. So greed can be good. And I think that's the point here is that greed can be good, but that also comes with a caveat because it's a double-edged sword. Right. And looking towards the movie is that greed is actually a metaphor for Gordon Gecko himself. He goes in and he says greed is good. He means Gordon Gecko himself is good. He means that Gordon Gecko is right. Gordon Gecko works. Gordon Gecko will clarify, cut through, and capture the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms for life, money, for love has marked the upward, upward surge of mankind, and greed will save Teldar Paper. And so the point of him saying this, he's not talking about greed, he's talking about himself. He's talking about he's the guy, and because of his greed, that's what's going to make Teldar Paper work, and that's what makes the U.S. economy work, in his opinion. The grain of truth in Gecko's Machiavellian speech is that if shareholders allow executives and boards to operate inefficiently, rather than using what little power they have, i.e. voting rights, and their ability to sway the moments of the company using that to improve their lot, then they're getting played like suckers, and there's no virtue in that. So Gecko's saying, you guys are letting them play you, and that's the real problem. Mm -hmm. The real problem's not what I'm doing, it's that you guys are lying down. So Gecko, in essence, is painting himself as their sort of warped Robin Hood. He's stealing from the rich... Minus the giving yeah. <laughs> back to the needy part. He's he's not he's not fully Robin. Robin Hood esque. Yeah, Robin Hood esque. In terms of Gordon Gecko giving back, do you think that's all that he was willing to impart? Do you think there what I'm getting at is do you think there was ever any slight inkling of humanity left in the money churning machine that was Gordon Gecko? Or do you think he was just powering through that speech looking to get to an early uh, early tea time? Not at all. I just think he wants to be painted as the hero. And that's why he can stand up and say, these are the real bad guys, and I'm the guy who's not so bad. Right. I'm just taking advantage. Not so bad. Not <laughs> so bad. But still bad in some aspects. Speaking of money, you can't make the scene without the green, baby. So if you're a fan of Unquote and a fan of the Rogue Intel Podcast Network, try this. Go to RogueIntel.com forward slash Amazon. 
This takes you to an Amazon portal where any purchase you make gives us a small kickback on any items that you might buy. It's a great way for awesome fans like y'all to support the show and the network. Plus, you can totally buy that power tie you've been eyeing for a while. And speaking of the Rogue Intel Network... Here at RogueIntel.com, we strive to entertain and to stimulate. From nerd rage to outrage, from goofing off to deep thoughts, we've got you covered. The only way we really know how you all feel is to hear and see feedback. And that's more than a thumbs-down, thumbs-up proposition. Tweet us or write us on Facebook. Review any show on iTunes. Or, to really mix it up with us, join the forums for access and insight on each show, its creators, and what everyone else who listens like you do feels about it. Feedback, because we're starving for it. Coffee break's over. Back to the show. I want to talk more about the line because the line was just a small segment, you know, the intro to the very long speech, um, which was good because that was the hook that they needed. You know, people were obviously wanting to know what was being ha- what was happening to their money, so that was the hook that got them on board to his uh, Robin Hood esque uh, mindset. But what would you have? Uh, would you have replaced the line with anything? Were there, were there any other worthy candidates in your mind's eye? I think that's what makes it iconic. Is that it makes you think about it? Because is you stop and you say, "Wait, is greed good? Is it actually a good thing? Can I get better? Or can I improve my lot by being greedy?" And that's sort of actually what the main character Bud Fox wrestles with the entire movie. Is that greed motivates him? That's how it can be good. It motivates him to climb and get better and achieve and strive for greater. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, greed is in essence not good, because the downside of greed is the loss of relationships, the loss of credibility. It's going too far and pushing yourself way past the limit. So the greed is good hooks you because it makes you think. Mm-hmm. I agree. Pretty. I, I said that was all-encompassing. With the way you're talking about it and with the way that I knew it was probably meant, I say it's a pretty good line. Well, also, you think about it that he says greed, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. is good as if to have us assume that he would actually have a better word. As if to say, I've given this more thought than I'm letting on, but you know, this will do for the time being. But has he? I believe he has. The only thing I had written about that line was, uh, you know, Gecko addressing the shareholders at, at Teldar, the greed is good speech was under the auspices of future successes, and he frames greed as a dominant trait vital to success. But, you know, he goes on to explain that in the speech. I would say that another line that was pretty impactful was, uh, it's, it's it's funny that there's several kind of like future name drops in this movie. I'm sure you probably picked up on it, but when he calls Bud at like 5 a.m., he's like, "Money never sleeps, kid." That was the sequel title to the movie starring Shia LaBeouf and Michael Douglas. And there's actually another one where Bud Fox is with the real estate agent on the Upper East Side, and she goes, "What are you doing, wolfing around?" Yeah, as a reference to <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. Absolutely, I'm glad you picked up on that. That was really cool. Now I'm sure that, that those titles have to be influenced by Absolutely. that movie. I mean, this is this is the pillar of all that is, you know, 1980s finance, for better or worse. Have you ever seen the Thomas Crown Affair? I have. The Not the Pierce Brosnan one, but the Steve McQueen one. I have. You have. have them. What is it with rich people and dune buggies? Really? I, that was one of the things <laughs> that caught me so off guard re-watching it, was the dune buggy scene. Yeah. It's only about 15 seconds It's enough. Gordon Gecko. The lovely Daryl Hannah yes. and Bud Fox all riding separate dune buggies just strolling on the beach. Yeah. Obviously, it's a fun activity, something I would love to do <laughs> anytime I'm at a beach. 
Well, you have to have your 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 uh, sweater draped over your neck just so in order to rent one of those things. <laughs> it's a preppy activity. Exactly. You know, it's not for the renegades like it is now. Back in the eighties, <laughs> you know, in New York, that's when the real doom buggy scene was the elites. Exactly. There were no striped eight foot flags hanging off the back of the doom buggies. These were you know nice souped up rentable vehicles for you know a very sultry. It wasn't price. sponsored by GoPro. It was sponsored by Sperry. <laughs> exactly. It was, uh, the seats were actually, had the word IZOD stitched on the back on the leather seats. I also like the line, it's all about, this one definitely wasn't as catchy, but it did stand out. Um, it's all about bucks, the rest is just conversation. Focused is one thing, but focused on the wrong thing can be, you know, detrimental to anybody. Or do you think, would you consider yourself like a money-hungry person? Or people you work with, money-hungry? That's actually one of the huge issues in the finance world today. They passed a law about a month ago, Congress did that is requiring any investment broker or anyone who renders investment advice to be a licensed fiduciary where... Break down the term fiduciary. What is this root okay. word? <laughs> where we as a firm are a fiduciary and we have to put the client in front of us making money. Okay. So everything we do has to put you as a client before us. Like if we have a great tip on a stock, you have to have it before we can invest our money. We have to give you every opportunity. We have to take care of you no matter what, and we can be held legally liable if we don't do that. Mm -hmm. So, as it is today, you can sort of get away with little ticky-tack things where you charge high fees or you churn stocks, which just means trading a lot. You just trade, buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, so it can run up your fees. But these those sort of practices are being done with. So you have to actually take care of people based on this law, and it's going into effect by 2017. And mm -hmm. it's one of the huge issues is that our firm paints itself as a firm that is a fiduciary and that will take care of our clients because it's like going to a butcher or a dietitian. A butcher is there to sell you meat. A butcher is going to say, you know, I don't get the best lamb chops in town. Okay, now, now, you now, you're speaking, now you're speaking my language. All right. Let me I'm, tell you about these lamb chops. You like filet mignon? Who doesn't? Right. But a dietitian is going to tell you, say, I want to lay off the meat, bud. You know, you might want to throw some vegetables in there. You know, get a protein shake every now and again. And that's sort of the difference between where finance is now is this divide of the butcher and the dietitian with the dietitian being a fiduciary and the butcher just being your average broker. Mm -hmm. Meat and potatoes with y'all. Just the meat. With bacon. With bacon and a side of ham with the broker. I think I understand. <laughs> when you put it in food terms, everybody understands a lot better. And you added bacon, so my listenership just grew by at least 10 people. So that's <laughs> You're awesome. welcome. Do you think, and now that you mentioned it, this clears this question up, I was going to ask you, do you think even with SEC intervention and criminal lawsuits, you know, at the end of the movie, that this was still a draw for, you know, power and money-hungry people in the mid-1980s, or even today? Do you think there's still that lingering allure of just, you know, overnight success? Now, people who study the game, who are well-versed in it like you are, they know there's no magic bullet, there's no instant success, but do you still think there's that lingering allure and that kind of... Money, 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 all day, all night. Definitely. Um, you know, there's a show on CNBC, American Greed, which just talks about how these people invest with guys who just aren't actual investment advisors. They're just regular people who put on a show, have a nice website, a nice office, and they take millions and millions of dollars of other people's money, and then they're gone in the night. Huh. They just take the money and run, and, I mean, they file lawsuits against them, but a lot of the times, these investment, these investors, they lose all their money, and the guy they gave all their money to 
didn't invest a dime, pocketed it all, and goes on to go on the lam or commit suicide. And so they never get any return. And that's sort of one of the biggest dangers in investing is finding someone you actually trust. Mm-hmm. So there's still some, there's still kind of that slight distrust, you know, because uh, the, the old saying goes, a fool and his money are soon parted, you know, but that's because I think people aren't, you know, as educated as they should be. Exhibit A, you're looking right at them. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think also that um, people are, I think, scared of money. I'm, I'm, I will admit that I'm scared of money. I don't like it. I don't like, you know, feeling like I'm misusing it. You know, I try to, you know, save here and there. And there was actually an interesting article in Time Magazine. I think it was maybe one or two weeks ago. There was some, a figure something like 45% of Americans don't have an emergency $500 saved away. You know, it's all it's all tied up in some type of, you know, loose bond or I say loose bond like I even know what I'm talking about. But yeah, it's just the simple fact that I think that these movies, while they do bring a lot of good things to light, like you mentioned, which is awesome, people need to be well educated, and film's a great avenue to do that. And if it's entertaining to boot, win, win, win. I don't know. Uh, kind of just went off on a rant there, but but that's you know. what a lot of what my firm does. It's not so much investing people's money; it's educating them mm-hmm. on how your money can actually work for you, and educating them on what you're doing right now and how it's helping you or a detriment to you. It's all about educating so. You walk out knowing more than when you came in, so you're not so blind anymore. You have once you have a grasp on it, you can actually make real decisions about what to do with your money. Right, and that's probably the most important thing when it comes to finance. Mm-hmm. Just knowledge is power. Yeah, exactly. And when you have you know, when you have knowledge and the knowledge is power, and then you have the purchasing power to go along with it, you can do great things with your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really encouraging to know, though. Um, I'm glad that it's not all. Uh, power ties and fancy lunches. That's really good to know. Well, that's half of it. Yeah. <laughs> you own a nice suit, I'm sure. Couple. Yeah, a couple. You're a nice guy. I like you. You know, you're amiable, easy to talk to. Um, you're not, are, you, are you slowly working your way into getting me as a client? I hope so. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of working. I got to give it to you, Patrick. Patrick asked me about theming in the movie. The themes of opulence were about as subtle as a $100 bill glued to someone's forehead. And here's what we discussed. What did you think about the elitist undertones throughout the entire film as a theme? Um, as a theme, I've always slightly... I, I fall for it every time, and I'll tell you why. The the working class hero joint, both my parents were school teachers, you know, and I, I look at their lives, I look at what all the, they were able to accomplish. You know, I'm one of four kids, I'm the last one. Yeah, you know, I just, I've always really respected a nine-to-five attitude... You know, even though I <laughs> I struggle with it daily, yeah, I do. I do think the elitist undertones were definitely present, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 Martin Sheen and Charlie Charlie Sheen night and day almost. You know, Martin Sheen security, you know, scruples. He's not playing fast and loose. Charlie Sheen, he's young, he's brash, but he's knowledgeable. You know, he's personable. He's taking risks. You know, um, he's trying to build something of himself and of a company. You know, but he may be doing alternate going alternate routes to do that. Um, but yeah, I do, I do realize that they were present. What do you, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I thought it was the major theme is that being elitist is something you want to strive to if you can. Mm-hmm. But... At what cost? Inherently, you can't sacrifice yourself for it. Right. Because, of, although of course you just be, end up becoming yourself. Mm-hmm. You can try to be something different, you can strive to be something different, but in the end, you're you. 
Exactly. Which is why I think that. which is why I think Bud Fox kind of breaks down at the end. Like, yeah, getting arrested sucks, but I think that I think that was really just his moment of realization. It's like, wow, this has come to a head. I am who I am. I know what I have to do now after all this shit. And that, you know, it, it took him getting a pair of bla- bracelets on for him to realize that. Yeah, he wasn't going to real prison. He was going to a cushy 18-month sentence <laughs> at a really nice facility, you know, three square meals a day, tennis right. courts. A lot of people like him. Right. He wasn't going to the joint. No, no, he wasn't going to, uh, he wasn't going to the pen, to the big house. Okay, so I buy ice cream with my spare change and still feel guilty about it. I asked Patrick where he drew the line in handling fiscal matters. I have a question for you. Are you a scrupulous person? Somewhat. Okay. I think the important thing with money is budgeting. And so when it comes to bills, you know, obligations, always make sure those are taken care of. Sure. But I always set aside my budget a let's get weird fund. <laughs> and that money is spent whatever way I want to do it. Uh-huh. It's only so much a month, and I just know I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want with it. There's no rules for this money, just right. I'm in there. I like that. When I take this money, I'm not scrupulous about it. I don't save any of it. I just blow it on the dumbest shit you can imagine. <laughs> but I think that's the way. Like a doom buggy. You give yourself, you know, these outs so you're not feeling like it's all so tight all the time. Yeah. You say, this is how much a month I can spend. I'm going to spend it however I want. I have another question. Have you worked with or do you know of people in your sector um, who are shiftless, dishonest, but they don't think they're going to get caught? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I worked with someone for a couple, like, probably about a year ago, for only a couple months, and it was pretty apparent after a few months on the job that the way he did business wasn't the way I would like to do business. Sure. I like to go about things being very upfront and honest and forthright, as opposed to where he sort of liked to grease the wheels a little bit and use big words that people didn't understand. Right. <laughs> just, that would just go right over their head. Right over their head. So, me and him would probably be mortal enemies, I'm guessing, right? <laughs> Um, Me and him were more than. Oh well, yeah, I, I guess I guess that answers that question. The bane of my existence. I just don't understand how they how people don't suspect who don't even have an inkling that they might get caught. You know, just like yeah, I can just keep I can just keep screwing people over. This is, this is, this is easy. Look how easy this is. It Look lasts at me. forever. Yeah, but it doesn't last forever. If you're interested in hearing more from Patrick, my my guest for today, you can find him on Twitter at oh at Movie Review Three Sixty Five. Is this just in 140 characters or less? I mean, 140 characters, just a blurb about the movie. I like to highlight big things, you know, sort of maybe the theme or the tone or just where the movie's going. And I like to rate movies. It's out. Of, it's on an out of 10 scale, but it's not like 7 out of 10 and that's 7. I like to rate it based on how many people I think would walk out of the movie and say, I liked it. Hmm. Okay. And any movie rated 5 or more, you should probably watch. Interesting. So more, more of an outside looking in perspective. Yeah. Okay, cool. So if, you, if you're a fan of the long form, you can go to jumpcutuk.com and uh, read more of Patrick Alexander's stuff. And I really want to thank you for being on the podcast, man. You've taught me some very interesting things. And if you're up for it, I'd like to have you on again for another movie. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. That was Absolutely. great. Absolutely. Thanks, Patrick. Appreciate it. So greed is kind of bad, but also not really. It's complex. Whatever you are, don't be like this guy. 
Give me the cash. Been here long? Yeah, long enough. Come on, give me the cash. Give me the cash! Music this week was Dino Beretta's bootleg remix of Pink Floyd's Money and Bruno Mars's Billionaire. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you guys next week. Until then, I'm Cooper Powers, and keep the film rolling. Let me take a crack at it. i probably take whatever's left and just split it up. A special post roll this week. This is me, your host, top five favorite movies. My top five, Jeremiah Johnson. Okay. Have you seen Jeremiah Johnson? I think it's been some time. You, you'd be a rare exception. That's an oldie, isn't it? It, it is an oldie. Spider-Man 2, the original. Not the Amazing Spider-Man 2, but Tobey Maguire Spider-Man 2. That one actually was good. Yeah, I love Spider-Man 2. Um, Castaway. Ooh. It's usually a tie for four. Um, it's usually between um, Pulp Fiction and uh, Kill Bill 1. Kill Bill 1's amazing. Yeah. I actually put a whole trilogy as my fifth one. Oh, really? Mighty Ducks. Liked all three. <laughs> Mighty Ducks. Watched them at least 400 times as a child a piece. If you want a quicker link to read Patrick's work, you can go to jumpcutuk.com forward slash Patrick hyphen Alexander forward slash. You can read some of his awesome stuff. I'm planning on doing that tonight.